Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. those of you who were not here last year when I introduced myself, let me introduce myself just really briefly again in my family. Uh, We're celebrating 21 years of marriage this coming summer. I know, thanks be to God. I have three wonderful children. My first one we sent off to college last year, so he's almost finishing his first year of college. I know. Praise God. My second one is almost 17, and my youngest one will be 13 in a couple weeks. And uh, they're all boys, men. So they keep me alive, they keep me grateful, keep me humble, and they are the joys of my life. So I thank God for that. You know, one of the things my family loves to do We love to go on road trips. Any road trippers here? You know, when we got married young and we had three kids rather quickly and uh, we couldn't afford always going places on, on airplanes, so we had to drive. And we just, we've only lived in Seattle for eight years, so when we lived on the East Coast, we would drive up and down the coast often. And my kids are really good travelers in the car. And so my husband's family lives right outside D.C. And my father and my brother live in Atlanta. And we used to vacation in Myrtle Beach. And one time, there was one time when my kids were three, six, and eight. When my youngest, he was basically done with potty training. And we had this great idea to drive down to Disney World. It's an eight, nine-hour car ride, right? It's almost potty trained. Why not? So we were driving, and there was one day when we decided, you know, we, we really just got to drive. So we were driving eight, nine, ten hours, and the kids were doing great. And it was late at night, and we were driving through uh, South Carolina, some remote part of South Carolina, really far away from any uh, big city coming up. But we just had to press through to make it to our next stop where our hotel was going to be. And uh, my husband is black, so we can't just stop anywhere. And so my youngest, my three-year-old said, Mom, I got to go to the bathroom. And I said, there's, there's, no, no, there's nothing here. We are not, how bad do you have to go? He said, I really have to go to the bathroom. Three years old. He's almost potty trained. And so I was like, okay, baby, we're going to find something. So we're driving. And I see this run down kind of mini market slash gas station. It looked a little shady, but I said, babe, pull over. Let me check it out. And I walk in there and. I asked the guy that was working there, and I said, hey, my son has to go to the bathroom. Do you have a bathroom we can use? And he said, no, we don't have a bathroom. I said, listen, 
I have a son. He's barely potty trained. He's got to go to the bathroom. He doesn't have to go number one. He's got to go number two. Do you have a bathroom that we can use? And he said, no, we don't have a bathroom here. I said, I know you have a bathroom because you've got to go somewhere. I'm going to ask you again. Do you have a bathroom that we can use? And he said, our public bathrooms are not for you. And I said, yes, it is. Now, can I have the keys? How many of you know we use that bathroom? Yes, it is. We were desperate. I was desperate. I didn't want to embarrass my child when he was just learning and proud of being potty trained. We were desperate. How many of you find yourselves in desperate situations? And sometimes all it requires is persistence and a yes it is. So I thought what I'd do today is talk to you about how desperate situations often call for desperate measures. And more specifically, how spaces of desperation can expand our vision for possibilities. So I hear it's Women's Month. And the theme of your Women's Month, I'm told, is women's rights. Highlighting the rights of women in the kingdom of God. And what better story, what better woman to demonstrate that for us on this morning than the Canaanite woman. So if you would, if you have your Bibles with you, can you turn your Bibles to the gospel of Matthew? The gospel of Matthew chapter 15. And 21 to 28. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to 28. Say amen if you're there. Amen. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to 28. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. And Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. The title of my message on this morning is, Yes, It Is. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Gracious and faithful God. 
I thank you for your words that are alive and ever-present, even today on this morning. God, I pray that these words would not just be words written on my paper or in these Bibles, but God, I pray that you would breathe life afresh upon them. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would, it would ignite these words. God, would you divide them hundreds of ways, Lord, that we might each hear a word from you. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to see, hear, and receive all that you would have to speak to us this day. Lord, we give you praise, and we declare that you are good. This we pray in Jesus' mighty name, and the people of God said, amen and amen. Like the story I shared earlier, but on a much more significant and profound level. The story in Matthew that we just read of the Canaanite woman is interesting to me because here's a mother who approaches Jesus on behalf of her daughter who was suffering from demon possession. Lord, have mercy on me, she says. But I'm always reminded that this is not an unusual scene during that time. Throughout Jesus' life and ministry, we read over and over again that many people would find themselves pleading for Jesus to heal and restore their loved ones and even themselves, right? And as Jesus passes by, he would often stop along the way and heal and restore them. Except in this case. Now you have to understand that it's not because Jesus was busy or because he was late for a meeting. But it's because this woman, this woman is of another ethnic or people group, another tribe, not a Jew, but a Gentile, a Canaanite. If we take our passage today seriously, we find that Jesus does not help her kind. He says to her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. God sent me only to care for the Jews. It's not right for me to take the children's food and toss it to the dogs like you. And as harsh as those words sound to us, you have to understand that it wasn't considered odd or scandalous during that time. And I'm guessing that almost everyone there would have agreed with Jesus. Because it was normative. It was typical for Jews to call the Canaanites dogs. The Canaanites were considered a cursed people. Jesus didn't mix with the Canaanites. And I'm almost positive that the Canaanites had equally colorful words for the Jews as well. We've got to get it around our minds that this is how things were during that time. Not too different, perhaps, than what we encounter today, right? Thugs, illegals, terrorists. In many ways, what Jesus said in that moment was just a reflection of the culture in which he lived, in which he was formed. I was sent to serve 
the Jews, he said. And it's not fair for me to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And everyone in this moment, I'm imagining, is nodding their heads. Yeah, you're right. Except this mother. This woman was tenacious and refused to leave that moment and that encounter. Some might even say that she was desperate. Even after being called a dog by Jesus, she says something that changes everything. And I believe actually changes the very course of Jesus' ministry. In the face of being insulted by Jesus, she doesn't respond in anger or even cowardice. It's interesting that she instead admonishes Jesus and says, yes, it is. Jesus, you're more than this. You're better than what you've been taught. Can we we humanize Jesus just for a moment this morning? Because if we believe that Jesus was fully God and fully man, We also have to recognize that Jesus was formed and discipled in a particular culture and environment and community and ways of thinking and abiding by these laws and assumptions. Yes, it is, Jesus, you're more than this, the Canaanite woman says to him. At the beginning of this passage, she says to him, Lord, son of David. To say son of David is to acknowledge his lineage, that he is, in fact, the Messiah, the Savior for the Jews. And then Jesus responds to that by saying, I was sent only for the lost sheep of Israel. In other words, you're right. I am the Savior for the Jews. But when she realized that that tactic wasn't working for her, she just said, Lord, Lord, have mercy on me. In other words, if you are Lord. If you are Lord, then you're Lord for more than the Jews. If you are Lord, then you're Lord of all. I may be a dog, but all I need is just a crumb. You got to understand that her response even surprised Jesus. Jesus saw something in this woman that he never even saw in his own people. Hers was a desperate faith that had a bigger vision. If your Lord, your Lord of all, and that includes me. She sees and envisions a kingdom that's bigger, perhaps, than even Jesus imagined. And so he grabs a hold of it and adopts her vision. I know it's scandalous. I'm going to say it again. She sees and envisions a kingdom that's perhaps bigger than even Jesus imagined. And so he grabs a hold of her vision and adopts it. How do we know this? Well, if you go back one chapter 
to chapter 14, we read that Jesus feeds 5,000 Jews. You know this story. Jesus feeds 5,000 Jews, and then it says that there were 12 baskets of leftovers in chapter 14, verse 20. 12 signifying the 12 tribes of Israel. Then immediately after his encounter with this Canaanite woman in chapter 15, we're told that Jesus sees a crowd gathered around him again and feeds 4,000 this time from the nearby region. These were not Jews. They were Canaanites. It says that there were then seven basketfuls left over, not 12, seven this time. And it's interesting because seven here is significant because the number seven typically signifies completion or divine perfection or the fulfillment of a divine mandate throughout scripture. Seven is significant. For example, the creation narrative exists within seven days. The mandate that animals had to be seven days old before they could be sacrificed. The leper Naaman was to bathe in the Jordan River seven times for cleansing. Joshua marked, marched around Jericho seven days before the walls came tumbling down. Jesus gave seven parables, and Jesus was the sevenfold I am, and so on. Seven is significant. So it says in chapter 15, when he was feeding the 4,000, that there were seven basketfuls left over. So we now witness Jesus feeding the 4,000 after his encounter with this woman. And then at the end of Matthew's gospel, in the very last chapter, he tells his disciples, not what he said earlier, that he was only sent for the lost sheep of Israel, but he now gives the disciples a new mandate to bring the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Or some translations would say every nation and every tribe. There's a shift. In his vision, the kingdom becomes broader because of this one woman who would not give up and held in front of Jesus a bigger vision of the kingdom of heaven and pleaded for Jesus to be more. It's amazing how desperation and spaces of thirst can literally expand our vision for possibilities. It's amazing how desperate spaces and those of us who find ourselves thirsting can literally expand our vision for possibilities. There's a particular cultural expression being used by a lot of the young people. My boys often use it as well. And it's the word thirsty. It's a word that people will call someone if they feel like you're acting too desperate for something or someone. The word thirsty has become synonymous with being too desperate or pathetic. So it's used not necessarily in a good way. Stop being so thirsty. Oftentimes in our culture today, thirsting for something or being desperate is seen as a sign of weakness. 
But I'm afraid that in this growing sentiment within our culture, we're going to forget the miraculous possibilities that are often only found in these kinds of desperate spaces. Because as followers of Christ, we believe that it's when we are weak, then we are. But what does that actually mean? Maybe it's that when we're weak, we know we can't rely on ourselves. And then what happens but the recognition that we're thirsty, that we need something. Listen, sometimes the biggest hurdle to overcome, the biggest obstacle to overcome is to actually admit that you need something. When we're thirsty, we're suddenly courageous. When we're thirsty, we sense urgency. When we're desperate, we seek with certainty. When we're desperate, our vision for possibility becomes awakened and relentless. When we're desperate, we don't care how foolish we look because the response of we don't have a bathroom here for your son is not an option. The response of I've only come for the lost sheep of Israel is not an option. Sisters and brothers, do you find yourselves desperate like this Canaanite woman this morning? Here she is. Her daughter is possessed by demons, it says, and suffering greatly. She realizes who Jesus is and asks him for mercy and healing for her daughter. But then she's met by silence. Jesus ignores her. And so she pleads again, Lord, have mercy on me. He then says that he came for these other people and not for her. So he rejects her. Then she she gets on her knees and cries out again in desperation, Lord, Lord, have mercy on me. And Jesus says that this bread is not for her and calls her a dog. Jesus insulted her. But in the midst of all that, I believe that this woman was certain about two things. That she was desperate and in need. And number two, she knew who Jesus was and that he was Lord over all things and all people. So after being ignored and rejected, after being insulted, How many of us just quit after being ignored? You ask God, where are you? Why are you silent? And then we just give up. This woman, this Canaanite woman, after being ignored, rejected, and insulted, She did not and could not take no for an answer. I'm reminded this morning when we're thinking about women's rights, if I can even expand that a little bit. Oftentimes it's many women and 
anybody really who finds themselves in marginal spaces, who finds themselves desperate for equality, for respect, for honor, to be ourselves, to be able to occupy this life and our bodies fully and wholly. This woman's story is not surprising to me. Because for many of us, we have been ignored. We have been rejected. And we have been insulted. And we keep persisting. Because we cannot take no for an answer. And after Jesus said to her, it's not right for me to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs, this woman clapped back at Jesus so fast and said, yes, it is. Yes, it is for me. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. In other words, she's proclaiming in those three words, yes, it is. I know who you are, Jesus. And I know that you're the only living water that can quench this thirst and restore my daughter. I'm desperate. I'm thirsty. Did you know? By the time you actually experience the sensation of thirst, by the time you actually say, I'm thirsty, your body is already dehydrated. Your body is already working from a deficit. Did you know that when my son actually told me he had to go to the bathroom, he had already been holding it for some time? Deficit. Did you know that by the time I usually sense my own need for God to intervene in various situations of my life, I've already been treading water for a while trying to make things happen in my own strength. Deficit. Did you know that by the time this Canaanite woman was bold and desperate enough to endure being ignored and rejected by Jesus... She and her daughter probably had already been scorned and rejected and shamed by everyone else in her community. Deficit. Did you know, beloveds, that by the time you find yourselves in spaces of desperation and thirst, you've probably already tried everything else. And Jesus is saying to us, drink of me, the living water, and you will never thirst again. Now listen, to drink of the living water doesn't mean you won't ever face trials or tribulations or that you won't ever experience pain or suffering, but what it does mean is that you won't be working from a space of deficit in your soul. And treading water won't be your foundation because you know a God whose well never runs dry. Listen, as we join together in just a moment to celebrate this sacrament of Holy Communion,
I'm reminded of this next scripture text from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 53 and 57. You can just jot that down real quick. I'll read it for you. The Gospel of John, chapter 6, 53 to 57. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day, for my flesh is real food. And my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table, she said. You are the bread of life and the living water. In a sense, this Canaanite woman was creating and participating in her own Lord's Supper. She knew that Jesus was all she I wonder if today, as you receive of these elements of the bread and the cup that signifies Jesus' body and blood, I wonder when you partake of it and when the pastor says, this is Christ's body broken and given for you. For as often as you partake of it, remember me, this is Christ's blood poured out and shed for you and for many For as often as you drink of it, your sins will be forgiven. I wonder if in that moment when you partake of those elements, if you might today be able to utter the words like this Canaanite woman, yes, it is. Yes, it is your body and blood given for me. Because if you are Lord, You are Lord of all, and that includes me. Sometimes I wonder if we want the Samaritan woman at the well story more often than we want this story of the Canaanite woman. We want Jesus to come to where we are. We want Jesus to see us. We want Jesus to pursue us. We want Jesus to ask us for a drink. We want Jesus to know our situation. But I feel like the word for us this morning, for somebody here in this room, is that we already know who holds the promise and who we need to go to to quench our thirst, to satisfy our hunger, and to resurrect and redeem those seemingly dead and desperate spaces of our lives. We already know it's not time to be passive. It's not time to wait for an intervention. Be like this Canaanite woman 
And you got to pursue Jesus, the one whom you know is the Lord of all. And who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine. It's not time for us to wait for Jesus to approach us. But what would it look like for us to be at the foot of Jesus even though we might be met with silence and rejection? To say, yes, it is enough. Yes, you are enough. I wonder if today, this morning, when you receive of those elements, and you're in a season of life, where you're waiting for God to intervene, I hope that you would hear these words and be reminded Jesus is for you. I love to tell my my church that, yes, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. But what's more profound than that is God's not just with us, but God is for us. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? Yes, you are. I don't know what situation you might be in this morning. But I feel like a Canaanite spirit needs to rise up within each one of us. That despite seeming silence, that despite even seeming rejection, we continue to proclaim the truth of God over our lives and the lives of our loved ones. My bread is not for you. Yes, it is. Because if you are Lord, then you are Lord of all. And I know that I am a child of the living God. Beloveds, this is my prayer for you and my declaration today. In Jesus' name, will you pray with me, gracious God? I thank you that your truth prevails. I thank you that no matter what situation we might find ourselves in today, thank you for your words that speak truth in life. Thank you for the promise, God, that... Uh, that you are for us. That you are Lord and Lord of all, including me and including every single person here in this room. God, I thank you that these words fell on good soil. So Lord, in the days to come, in the hours and the days and the weeks to come, Lord, I pray that these seeds would bear much fruit even as we go about our days and our weeks, when we face trials and hardships and rejections and obstacles, God, Lord, I pray that you would give us that Canaanite spirit that would be able to rise up in courage, in our certainty of who you are, like this woman, and help us to declare boldly that, yes, you are the Lord of all. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness through it all. This we pray in Jesus' mighty and matchless name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, 
Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.